year when I set out what God was going to be doing uh, for us and through us, I, I talked about some F words and uh, one of them you might remember was freedom. So how exciting is it that this morning it's been so underlined and highlighted and um, actually what I'm going to be preaching on is a message of freedom. I didn't know what God was going to do during the worship time today, but I wrote in my notes, today is a freedom message. So I'm really excited what God has been doing already, and I trust what you hear now in the next few minutes will build on what has already been happening. So today, uh, we're starting a two-week series on one of our culture traits. Our culture traits are listed over there on the banner. We've been working through looking at different traits that we want to make hallmarks of our church when we gather together, but also when we are scattered during the week, we want to be taking these. They want to be, we want them to be so part of who we are that we live and breathe them. So we've been working through looking at different aspects of them, exploring them a bit, encouraging you to press into them. So over the last year and a half, we've looked at courage and honor, integrity and generosity. And today and next week, we're going to be looking at forgiveness because we want to be a people who grasp what it is to be forgiven but also what it means to be forgiving. And the astute among you will realise that we have one trait remaining, which we'll pick up in early 2018, looking at acceptance. But today we're going to be looking at the topic of forgiveness. And it is such an important and powerful topic. Actually, we've been looking at it quite a bit over the last few years in different ways. Uh, Those of us who've done the Freedom in Christ course, it was quite a key part of that Session nine of the Freedom in Christ course was all about forgiveness. Uh, And one of the steps on the steps day was looking at that aspect too. Dave has preached on it as we've got, as we've come up uh, in in that topic in Ephesians. Uh, And you might remember a couple of years ago, we did a series on who me, looking at the labels God gives us. And in that, we looked at I am forgiven and forgiving. So I would encourage you to go back and look over some of those things, listen to some of those things as well. But we're going to be building on that today and next week. And I want to just start with an article I came across recently um, in the uh, Evangelical Alliance magazine idea. There's copies at the back on the information table we always put there. And it's about an event that J. John organized in the summer. Many of you might know he did a massive event down at the Emirates Stadium where 24,000 people went. And it says, he talked about the need of forgiveness in a city which has recently experienced more than its fair share of tragedy. Among the thousands of people who packed into the stadium to hear J. John were 300 survivors and families of victims of the Grenfell Tower fire. There was a real buzz on the evening. J. John said, for people of faith, it gives them a faith lift, but for other people, it might help them on a journey of faith. He added, that can only be a good thing. It was a privilege to witness so many people making such significant steps along their individual journey of faith. No matter who you speak to, people right now need security, stability and hope. This is what Jesus offers. And then he goes on, and this is the bit I'll kind of lead into where we're going. Many of the world's problems are born out of a lack of forgiveness, he added. While governments and charities attempt to alleviate the symptoms of these problems, Christianity can tackle their root cause as the Christian message is one of forgiveness for the past, new life today, and hope for the future. If you were able to accept God's forgiveness, forgive ourselves, and then forgive others, it would completely restructure our nation, he said. 
Forgiveness is such an important and powerful thing. Forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, living in the good of being forgiven people. What a transforming thing it is. So today we're going to be looking at what is forgiveness, a bit of a recap on things we've talked and taught into before. Then I'm briefly going to cover forgiving others. Now it is a massive topic and Neil's going to pick up on some of this next week. But as I said, we have also looked at it on the Freedom in Christ course uh, and various other uh, preachers we've done in the last few years. So we'll uh, briefly look at that. And then for the main part, we're going to be looking at forgiving ourselves, what it means to forgive yourself. So first of all, forgiveness is, what is forgiveness all about? Well, first of all, forgiveness is in our DNA. It should be part of who we are. The Bible tells us to forgive because we're forgiven. Forgiveness is part of who we are. We are children of God. He is a forgiver. He is the ultimate forgiver, and we are his children. Therefore, we should demonstrate his attributes and his characteristics, and one of which is that he forgives. Therefore, we should be forgiving to people. Forgiveness is a privilege. How often do you stop and think of forgiveness being a privilege? It is. We get to demonstrate something of God to the world when we forgive. When we pass on that forgiveness to someone else, it is a real privilege, a calling, a high calling that God gives us to be caught up in divine things. It's powerful. You know, as J. John's article there, what a thing. If we really grasp it, it would restructure our nation, it would restructure the world. Massive impact on us and those around us. It brings freedom. Forgiveness brings freedom. It's a choice. R.T. Kendall, I'm going to quote from him a bit this morning. He's written this incredibly challenging book, and I make no apologies for recommending it again. Total Forgiveness, amazing book on this subject. It's on the bookstore, Jackie informs me. Amazing book, but beware, you will be challenged when you read it. It is very provoking and covers it. But in it, he says, love is a conscious choice to forgive, even if you don't feel like it. Don't wait until you feel like it. It, uh, don't, uh, don't wait until you feel like it, or you will probably never will forgive. Do it because it is right, not because you feel like letting them off the hook. We therefore choose to forgive or not to forgive. It's a choice. It's a choice we make. We have the power to choose whether we're going to forgive someone or not. It's an act of the will, and we might not feel like it, but we're called to do it. Forgiveness is not saying it didn't matter either. It's not saying that whatever it is, whatever wrong that was done to us, didn't matter or didn't happen. It's not a denial thing, and it's not brushing it under the carpet. It's actually acknowledging that there is a pain, there's a hurt there, and handling it in a godly way, and handing it over to God. The situation, the pain, the hurt, over to God. It may not lead to reconciliation. It's not an automatic thing. And there may still be consequences. For example, crimes have to have legal punishments and consequences. Forgiveness is ongoing. It's a daily decision to forgive. You know, the same person may hurt you again by doing exactly the same thing again. A classic 
conversation Jesus had with his disciples, how often should I forgive someone? Seven times? Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. In that he's saying there shouldn't be a limit. It's not that you'd start getting out your tally book and marking off, there we go, that's 490 times. Done, I'm not forgiving you anymore. It's an ongoing process. It's not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude that we have towards one another. As Martin Luther King put it, it's a lifelong commitment. I will choose to forgive. I will choose to forgive. And it clearly is not easy. It's not easy to forgive. It might have been a particularly traumatic thing that happened. It might be something that was done over a prolonged period of time. It might well be close family and friends. It might be people in this church that have done things to hurt you. It's not easy to forgive. The person themselves might even be unrepentant or totally oblivious they've even done anything wrong. But we're called to do it. So, forgiveness is powerful. It's important. It's a, it's a privilege. It's not easy. And it is ongoing. So let's look briefly at how about forgiving others. The Bible's very clear. We are to forgive. Jesus expected we would forgive people and he taught that we should. For example, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debtors as you forgive us. Forgive us. We forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us, Lord, because we're also forgiving others. It was in there. Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's very clear, over and over again, Jesus taught it, Paul taught it, it's throughout Scripture, we are to forgive. So why are we to forgive? Well, we've already hinted at some of the things, because Christ has enabled us to be forgiven. But its effect on us when we remain in unforgiveness is like a poison. And the effects ripple out. They ripple out from us. We experience it. Very, uh, the person who offended us or causes hurt is affected by it. Others around us are affected too. In ourselves, the effect of unforgiveness is like a poison. There's a bitterness, a bondage. We remain bound the anger, it can lead to physical illnesses. It zaps our strength and our energy. For the person who might have caused the offence or hurt, it leads, it, the broken relationship remains. And for others around, it can be very awkward. It can create division and barriers. So unforgiveness is like a poison and it ripples out. On the other hand, forgiveness, wow, forgiveness, it's life-giving. And you know what? That too can ripple out. That too can ripple out. As we grasp forgiveness, as we allow ourselves to forgive others, as we make that conscious decision, I will forgive, the ripples of life-giving power go. 
as freedom in Christ said it, you may remember those of you who've recently done it, it says this, in order to experience our freedom in Christ, we need to relate to other people in the same way that God relates to us, on the basis of complete forgiveness and acceptance. Nothing keeps you in bondage to the past more than an unwillingness to forgive. As we forgive, we are released. As we hand over the, the hurt, the pain to God and say, it's over to you, you handle this, we walk into a freedom that perhaps we didn't even know we didn't have. But it also impacts the offender, the person who's hurt us, the person who's wronged us. I don't know how many people saw this headline on the BBC website or heard about this story. My brother's killer is now my friend. It's an amazing story about a lady called Denise Taylor. Her brother, Bo, was killed by Ronnie Fields 32 years ago. And yet, her, Denise and her father were Christians and they forgave him. In fact, she chose to write to this man in prison. She chose to visit him, get to know him. And her dad and, and her, they attended the annual parole hearings. In fact, it even got to the point where they pleaded for his release. Earlier this year, he was released, 32 years after the conviction. And Denise and Ronnie have met up, and they've become friends. He physically has known a release because of Denise's forgiveness. And some of the things he brought out with him from prison included a leather Bible that Denise's father, Bo's dad, had given him. It's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff. Forgiveness changes things. It releases ourselves. It releases the person who's hurt us. But it also, as I said, it ripples out. It ripples out to others around us. It helps us to build a safe environment. You know, if we are all forgiving one another in this church environment, it makes it safe. We know that if we do get things wrong, and we will get things wrong, it's okay. We're not going to be pushed out. We're still going to be loved and cared for. And so we'll encourage others to be brave and, and to feel, yeah, I can be part of this too. It helps to demonstrate acceptance, which will be going on to next year. It helps to shape the culture and atmosphere we want to see. It's saying it's okay to make mistakes. And it even ripples out to God because it brings glory to God. When we live in this way, it brings honour to him. So when we contemplate the hurts and the wrongs people have done to us, we have a choice whether to remain in unforgiveness and holding on and refusing to let go and drink of this poison expecting the other person to die. And all the rippling out from ourselves to those around us in death-bringing, poisonous attitude, all we can choose to forgive and give life to ourselves and to those around us. How do we go about doing that? 
We've said it's not easy. It is a choice. How do we go about doing it? Well, those of you who did the Freedom in Christ and the Step Supreme, you might remember there's this whole step, a whole section in this book that is so helpful. So if you've done it, dig it down, dust it off, look at it. Step three, if you didn't, it's actually really straightforward in here. It's acknowledging, yes, there was a hurt, there was a pain. Getting in touch with it. Yep, this is it, this is what it was. This was the person involved. Expressing it, speaking it out and speaking forgiveness. You know, it puts it like this in the step. I choose to forgive whoever it might be for whatever it is they did or didn't do, which made me feel whatever it made you feel, dirty, lost, hurt. And you work your way through, and that's all. It's as simple as that in terms of declaring it out loud. I choose to forgive. Remember, it's a choice. It's an act of the will. And then when you've done that, you follow it up by saying, that you give to God, your, you give it over, your right to judge and to hold resentment, and you leave it with the Father. Lord, I choose not to hold on to my resentment. I thank you for setting me free from the bondage of my bitterness. I let go of my right to seek revenge and ask you to heal my damaged emotions. I now ask you to bless the person that caused you the hurt. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a process we can do Acknowledging it, expressing it, choosing to forgive, saying you forgive, and then handing over to God to deal with them. Because God will deal with all of us. You know, if that person's a Christian, then Jesus' blood has covered them as well. We will all face judgment one day. He is all loving and he is totally just. We can leave it with our loving Father. So how about forgiving yourself? It's all very well saying you're forgiving others. Yeah, work that one through. But is sometimes the hardest person to forgive yourself? You know the things you've done. It can be such a barrier to full release, can't it? Why is it so hard sometimes to really believe I'm forgiven? Why is it that we keep going back to the wounds and scratching them? It's so easy to dwell on the guilt and the condemnation, especially when it's perhaps a habitual sin, that sin-confess cycle that the freedom in Christ talks about. You know, those, those struggles we keep coming back to. Or perhaps we've done something we think is just so bad and so awful. So R.T. Kendall sees it as a big issue. In fact, he devotes a whole chapter in this book to forgiving ourselves the art of forgiving ourselves and forgetting. And furthermore, he's now written two follow-up books that are just on that topic. How to forgive ourselves totally and totally forgiving ourselves. So if you want to know more, there you go. And just like unforgiveness when we're talking about forgiving others, unforgiveness is like a poison. It's like a poison if we don't forgive ourselves. It drains you. It leaves you feeling defeated. Leads to unhelpful thought patterns. Oh, I'm so dirty. I'm so worthless. I've done this. I'm like this. I'm a sinner. 
And we end up punishing ourselves. We end up going over it. Perhaps full of regret. If only I hadn't done this. Or if only I had done this. We step back from things of God. Through shame and embarrassment. We, you know, at the very worst, we might pull away from church altogether. I just don't want to be around people. I need to deal with this myself. Pull back from serving. I'm not worthy to be serving this, that and the other. I'm not worthy to be doing this because I know what I'm really like. Do you know who loves that? Satan loves that one when that happens. Yes! Christian that's written themselves off. Yes! I'm a crushed, trapped, ineffective. There's only one person who's rejoicing, that's Satan. The proof that we haven't forgiven ourselves is that we still feel guilty, blame ourselves, and cannot function effortlessly, even though we have confessed our sinfulness to God. If we feel guilty, blame ourselves, and find that we cannot function normally, even though we have confessed our sins to God, it indicates that we haven't yet totally forgiven ourselves. It means we are hanging on to guilt that God has washed away, refusing to enjoy what God has freely done. But 1 John 1 9 is either true or it isn't. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we have confessed our sins, we must take this promise with both hands and forgive ourselves, which is precisely what God wants us to do. The person who hasn't forgiven himself or herself is an unhappy person. The result of not forgiving us oneself is often that we can't forgive others either. It's a mess. It's a poison. Defeated, crushed, trapped, unhappy. Punishing ourselves. I must be better. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't have done that. That's not what God wants. That's not why he sent his son to die. That we would then still live under this horrendous burden. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be burdened to a yoke of slavery. And yet so often we put ourselves back under this. Like we're singing, we grab the chains again and we hold on to them. No, we need to forgive ourselves because Christ has forgiven us. And just like when we're thinking about other people, unforgiveness is a poison. Forgiveness is life-giving. It brings the freedom, the release, the lightness. It opens up our way to full communion with God and the expansion of our gifts. It will affect others around us as we live in the good of it. It will affect those we work with, hang out with, live with. So if we know this, we can see this. We look around us. We can see the impact of unforgiveness. We can see the amazing result of forgiveness. Why is it so hard to actually forgive ourselves? Why is it so difficult? It seems like, well, obviously we choose to do that, wouldn't we? And yet we don't. So often we settle for it. And it could be a number of reasons. It could be anger. We're so angry with ourselves for doing it, self-hating what we've done. We, we, we can't turn the clock back. It's done. We've just got to live with it now. 
that God can and will take our sinful past. And do you know what? He can make it work for our good. He is bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our sins. And he can turn it round. What we can only see is this horrendous thing leading to this awful result. God can deal with it and handle it. So it could be anger. It could be this self-hating. It could be fear, regret over the past, leading to guilt, which then leads to fear. Fear of missing. Well, what might have been? The fear that what has happened cannot possibly turn out for good. It's just not true, though. God doesn't want it to be like that. Romans 8, 15. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit that lives in us as Christians. When you say yes to Jesus, the spirit lives in you and he doesn't give you a spirit of fear. He gives you a spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Father. That is the spirit that's at work within you. He doesn't want us to be full of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. God directs his perfect love on us. Receive it afresh and know that freedom. Fundamentally, what stops us forgiving ourselves actually is pride. When we don't forgive ourselves, it is a subtle way of competing with what Christ did on the cross. It's like saying, my way is better than your way, God. Hmm. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? But God's provided a way for us to be forgiven. He sent his son to die for us. And yet, when we're choosing not to forgive ourselves and punishing, we're saying, well, perhaps in my great wisdom, I can add to what you've done in some way. It's arrogance. I can't bear the Lord doing everything for me, so I think I'll just just help him out a little bit by punishing myself too. Artie Kendall says, the bottom line is not forgiving ourselves is wrong and dishonouring to God. So how do we go about doing it? How do we forgive ourselves? How do you forgive yourself? Well, it comes down to our understanding of grace. Our ability to forgive ourselves is linked to our understanding of grace. Not forgiving ourselves often comes from not grasping the power of the cross and believing what God declares over us. Do you know, the work of the cross is complete. Absolutely complete. Jesus declared when he hung on the cross, it is finished. He didn't say it's nearly done. I just need a few more weeks, a few more years. I need you to add a little bit in too. It is finished. It's complete and it is sufficient for all our sins. All your sins, all my sins. Let's have a look at a few scriptures. I'm going to get a bit interactive here. I'm going to ask you some questions as I read them. So I hope you're listening. Psalm 103, verses 8 to 12 say this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. What does God do with our sins? He takes them as far as the east is from the west. That's quite far, isn't it? He takes them away completely. Wow. God has taken our sins. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins, for my sins. It's done. He's removed it. Every single sin that you have ever done or will ever done have been taken and been taken, transferred as far as the east is from the west. Opposite extremes. Here's another one. Acts 10, 43. To him... All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Okay, I want to hear it loudly this time. Who receives forgiveness of sins? Everyone who believes in him. Not a select few who believe in him. Not if you then are amazing in your life. Not if you work really hard. No, everyone who believes has their sins forgiven. Here's another one. It's doing us good. It's good to hear these truths. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You who were dead in your, in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, past tense, you were dead, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Okay, you ready for this one? How many trespasses are forgiven? All. All, every single one of them. Even that time when you did that thing. Even when you didn't do that thing. Even when you shouted at your, your sister. Even when you had an argument with your boss. Even when you stole from the sweet shop. Even when you beat someone up even when you murdered someone. All, all your sins. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That's what God says. Does God remember our sins? What does that scripture say? I'll remember them no more. Now, it's not that God can forget things. God is all-knowing, but he chooses to not hold on to them. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, which is talking about love, you know, the passage that's often read at weddings. Well, that's God. God is love. And it says he keeps no record of sins. He's not going to bring them up again. Aha! What about this one? No. You are washed in Christ's blood. He will not bring it up anymore. Jesus hung on the cross that you wouldn't have to hold on to that any longer. Final one, 1 John 1, 7 to 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how much sin and unrighteousness does God cleanse us from? All. All. These are amazing truths. These are amazing scriptures. If we're struggling to forgive ourselves, we need to get hold of some of these truths because this is what God declares over us. It's not that there is no penalty for our sins. There is. But it's been paid. Jesus paid the price once and for all. He took our place. Every single sin has been taken on to Jesus. And he declared it is finished. You can now walk free. You are forgiven. Freedom in Christ puts it like this. Often we hold things against ourselves, punishing ourselves for wrong choices we've made in the past. Forgiving yourself is simply accepting the truth that God has already forgiven you in Christ. If God forgives you, you can forgive yourself. C.S. Lewis puts it even stronger. He says, if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. You know, think about Bible characters throughout the Old and New Testament. Think of Moses. Moses was a murderer. And yet, look what he did. Look what he did. He led the Israelite people into freedom. We're going to be coming to look at that story over the next few weeks. David. Yeah, man, after God's own heart, but an adulterer and a murderer. You know, have these people presented? They weren't perfect. They were people. They sinned. And yet somehow they must have found a way of forgiving themselves so they could press into all that God had for them. They were able to say the past is the past. I'm going to leave it in the past. So about forgiving ourselves is about aligning our thoughts with what God has declared over us. It's about renewing our mind. And the process may and probably will involve talking things over with God. And it may well be very helpful to meet with someone and just to talk it over, especially if it's something you've held on for something for a long time. But God can deal with things in an instant. But we need to renew our minds. We need to make sure we don't give Satan any room to come and accuse us because he'd love to. Say, no, the blood of Christ has washed me clean. I am forgiven and I stand in the good of that and I will choose to forgive myself because God says I am forgiven. So we've looked at what forgiveness is. It's powerful, it's a privilege, it's ongoing, it's not easy, but it is life-giving. We've looked at forgiving others very briefly and how important it is. Do you need to forgive someone today? Because you can, but it's a choice. It's not brushing it under the carpet. It's not saying whatever they did didn't matter, but it's saying I'm going to leave God to handle it. I forgive that person, Lord, and I give up my right to punish them and judge them. I leave it with you because you are the holy, righteous, amazingly just and loving King. And we've also looked at the importance of forgiving ourselves 
except in the truth that God has forgiven us. I thought it was highly appropriate this morning to finish with communion. So I'm going to get the band to come up. And we're going to do communion. We're going to pass the, the bread and the wine round. And I just encourage you to receive the communion this morning as a reminder of the forgiveness that we have received in Christ. You know, if you're a Christian here this morning, this is true. This is what God declares over you. You are forgiven. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You might get things wrong from time to time, but your fundamental core, you are now a son or a daughter of God and you are a saint and you are loved by him. You are forgiven. And whenever we receive the bread and wine, it's a reminder that we are cleansed. We are cleansed by the blood of Christ. We are washed whiter than snow.